from a mogul perspective is that we don't think that NIL laws and NIL rule changes actually hurt an individual uh, university athletic department's brand or bottom line at all. We think that if you allow the individual athlete to build their brand and increase their platform reach, um, both in the local community and at a national level, then you're only helping to actually increase the amount of dollars that can potentially flow into your university athletic department because your individual players are bringing more prestige, prominence, and you know, shedding a larger light to your program. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Drew Tranquil Podcast, the podcast providing you, the listener, with the tools and principles to help you maximize your God-given potential. All right, really excited about our guest today. Our first guest is Brandon Wimbush. Brandon was the former quarterback at the University of Notre Dame. Since his playing days, Brandon has become an entrepreneur and currently serves as the CEO at Mogul a platform connecting athletes to brand partnerships. Joining Brandon on this episode is his partner and founder of Mogul, Aiden Sai-L. Aiden founded Mogul to fill a massive need in the emerging market of student-athletes being able to profit off their name, image, and likeness. I brought Brandon and Aiden on the show because I love the vision of Mogul and think it has the potential to help athletes from all different walks of life. Whether you're an athlete or not, I think there are takeaways for you in this episode. Let's get this rolling. Uh, Aiden, Brandon, thanks so much for joining us today. We're really excited to chat with you guys. Thanks, Drew. Really, really appreciate you you having us on, man. Um, This is something we've wanted to do for a while now. Great, Brandon. We'll actually start with you. I want to talk a little bit about your transition out of football. What has that been like going from playing quarterback for so long to now entering this space of entrepreneurship and business? Um, it's been, it's been awesome. It's been, it's probably tougher to be honest with you. It's probably the most difficult thing I've done in my life. Um, and I've done some pretty difficult things in my life, quarterback being one for the university of Notre Dame, but there's so many skills drew that we spoke about a little bit ago that are transferable, um, that I've seen, you know, play a role in, 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 uh, management, right. Especially within entrepreneurship. So some of the things that, you know, might be more cliche, but are definitely valuable are time management skills and uh, effective communication, right? So just being around guys like yourself within locker rooms, man, you, you get to see how guys are able to use their skills within time management and uh, their communication skills effectively to uh, push forward a team's mission and, and goal, right? Um, so, you know, between Aiden and I, I think we, we both bring unique backgrounds and um, we have a, a, a pretty dynamic, um, uh, relationship and uh, partnership here that we're able to kind of make those things happen. And it obviously trickles down to the rest of the team. So if it starts at the management high up level, then I think it's going to, you know, our, our team going to work well together. Yeah. That's one of the the biggest things we've talked about it before, but time management for me, starting out as a freshman in Notre Dame, I'm trying to figure out how the heck I'm going to do engineering and football and date my long distance girlfriend and so figuring out a schedule that works for you uh, that allows you to be efficient is is definitely critical and you're forced to do it as a student athlete. And so I'm sure that's paying huge dividends. Aiden, I want to pivot a little bit to you. Can you talk a little bit about uh, your background, kind of how you got from Notre Dame to now at Mogul and, uh, and what you're currently up to? 
Yeah, true. Um, so like you guys graduated from Notre Dame, I graduated in 2017. So a couple of years ahead of you guys um, graduated with degrees in management consulting and sociology and took those degrees and went and worked in New York in finance in a variety of capacities, notably at Morgan Stanley and in private equity at Lexington Partners, but was always really looking for an opportunity to make a tangible impact um, through the lens of something that I was really passionate about, which in this case is obviously sports. Um, just didn't feel like every day when I was waking up that I was having a, a profound enough impact on the people and the lives of others um, working in finance, as, as I'm sure you guys can imagine. Um, so, you know, the NCAA initially voiced support for name, image, and likeness rule changes dating back to um, the winter of 2020, late 2019. Um, and I initially drew, drew together a business plan, really, that just laid out a marketplace that would connect athletes such as yourselves, um, both current and former collegiate athletes to opportunities to monetize those name, image, and likeness opportunities, given the fact that these athletes don't have the time, the resources, or potentially even the network to seek out these opportunities. So wanted to make that process as efficient and seamless for them as possible. No doubt. I think maybe for, for our listeners and myself, you guys are in the weeds every single day with this name, image, and likeness stuff. Where currently is the NCAA at on this issue? Yeah. So basically what, 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 what's happened thus far is there was expect, there was a vote that was expected in January of this year that would effectively put in place federal name, image, and likeness rule changes, basically allowing all collegiate athletes to monetize their publicity rights. That vote was punted due to something called the Alston case that the Supreme Court is currently ruling on. The NCAA is kind of waiting for the ruling on that case. But, you know, at the state by state level, numerous states have passed proposals that would allow name, image and likeness laws to go into effect in advance of August of 2021, notably Florida um, in July of 2021. Actually, Oregon today just passed or proposed a bill as well. Um, so saw that as well. So individual states have passed laws that would allow their athletes to make make money on their NIL, California and Massachusetts in January of 2022. But we're really anticipating a federal name, image, and likeness bill that would go into effect in August. What's going on in that case? You, you said the Austin case. What in particular is happening that makes that so significant? So so the Austin case, right? And, and you know, we have a legal analyst on our team right now that, that handles a lot of the intricacies with, with this case. But from my understanding, Drew, um, it has to do with the disparities of uh, educational resources and benefits that the college athlete is receiving. Um, but as it stands right now, right, this doesn't really have to do with name, image, and likeness, right? Because it's not tertiary companies that are, that are uh, in question. Um, but it, like, again, it has to do with the institution um, supplying the, the college athletes with educational resources, right? That's, that's like the furthest extent that Aiden and I both know. Um, but there's not a lot of implications on the name, image, and likeness proceeding. Um, rather, you know, from the from the uh, results of this case, it's more so of a timing manner, right? It's like, okay, the Allison case is on, on the table, right? Once this is done, then we can move forward with the name, image, and likeness, you know, federal proposals. So Congress needs to just get through this stage of it. Um, and again, it's more of just a timing, a timing barrier at this point. So Aiden, uh, you mentioned states are, are passing legislation. Are institutions and schools within that state required to oblige by those 
rules. So say Indiana passes legislation that says name, image, and likeness is now legal for amateur athletes. Does Notre Dame have to oblige by those guidelines? Yes, they do. Um, so basically, you know, what, what, what happens is athletes are now allowed to go out into the community, go out onto their social media accounts and seek out these opportunities to get paid for their effectively their publicity rights. The one thing that's still being um, still tossed up in the air and is still being analyzed and addressed is, you know, if something directly contradicts the the mission of a university or their standards, then that probably can be disallowed. So for example, um, Ian Book isn't going to be able to go next year or you know this past year he wouldn't have been able to do like a Trojan ad um, as a Notre Dame quarterback right because obviously they're against contraception they're a Catholic university um, so that's kind of an example that I like to bring up often um, gambling and you know drugs and alcohol that those opportunities will probably be disallowed as well but from a university perspective right their job here is to really educate their athletes and obviously monitor to ensure that their eligibilities aren't being negatively impacted, um, but they're not allowed to, um, you know, disallow their athletes to uh, seek out these opportunities. So even with universities being in the NCAA, they still have to oblige by their state regulations and, and legislation. So how maybe is the NCAA grappling with this? If some schools are saying, yes, your athletes can, I feel like athletes would be like, I'm going to a school that that can, where I can utilize my name, image, and likeness. What's the NCA doing doing with all this? Yeah, I mean, and you bring up an interesting point, and that's why we really anticipate the NCAA to move swiftly at the conclusion of this Austin case. Basically, the NCAA is going to have their hands full dealing with state-by-state legislation. Also, all the proposals at the statewide level differ in some important areas. Um, so the NCAA is going to move really quickly, at least to get a federal bill out there um, and then kind of figure it out from there. That's our anticipation, given the fact that, you know, it opens up a whole different can of worms if they're basically preventing or you know trying to put in stop gaps in the transfer portal to prevent um, people trying to go to Florida, for example, or California in 2022. Um, and then also, you know, just having to deal with the overall oversight and monitoring of the different state legislations and, and rules that exist within that. It's much better if they put kind of a generic proposal in place at the federal level and then figure out and adjust it from there based on what they've observed over the first couple of years of this landscape. Brandon, I want to ask you, one headline I've seen in the news recently has surrounded the Stanford wrestling program and Stanford actually announced that they're going to have cuts to 11 of their 36 sports team obviously notably the wrestling team and that's getting a lot of momentum and energy in the news but what's going on here are are universities going to get to a point where they're just going to cut these non-revenue generating sports uh i don't know but i but i do know drew is that uh stanford's endowment sits at the third largest with amongst uh, american institutions at 27.7 billion dollars Right. So there's you can't tell me there's no way that they could move around, you know, a couple of dollars right, and allocate it to the programs. Right. I read something on this as well. The wrestling team, Drew, went out and raised 12 million dollars. Right. Within this past year, they're still going to they're still going to cut the program. So that 12 million dollars that they raised, um, you know, there was a number uh, that was uh, targeted as their expense 
for the year. And it was around like $1.5 million or something. Right. So very, very lower, very much a lower figure than other big time programs that they have uh, as a varsity sport. So that would, that $12 million could cover, you know, six to 10 years, you know, for, for, for those athletes to compete. So, you know, when, when, with this scenario, I mean, it's only, you know, to answer your question, um, probably, right. Like probably these, these schools are going to begin to cut these non revenue generating, um, sports, but that's where mobile comes in. Right. And that's where we see ourselves being able to help some of these athletes, these non revenue generating athletes make money. Um, because they're going to want to do camps. They're going to want to do personal training lessons, right? Whether they do it wherever they, they go to college or whether they do it when they, when they go home to their hometowns, uh, they still have value. They still have their own brand, right? That's very reputable. Um, so I, I'm sad to see that at Stanford. I think that's the biggest case of this, but I hope, I hope that it doesn't continue on this path. Yeah, it's, it makes no sense. I was reading a thread on it and it's like, they've raised enough money to support themselves. They don't even need the school's endowment much less. Yeah, the Joe, school. Pop, Joe Popliano. Is probably who you read. Yeah. Joe pump. He's great. You should go follow him on Twitter. Shout out to Joe pump. But uh, yeah, it just seems like uh, there's a little bit of pushback and, and Aiden, maybe I know Jack Swarbrick, the AD at Notre Dame has actually been a huge supporter of NIL for the Notre Dame student athletes. Why, why is it maybe that some universities seem to be supporting this idea yet others are, are kind of pushing back? What's the, what's the negative for the university in all of this? Yes. That's the interesting thing, right? Is I think that universities are really um, just from an overall monitoring perspective, right? They're really strapped for capacity and, and human capital within their compliance departments and the overall athletic departments. Obviously universities have been hit, um, pretty hard from a revenue standpoint with COVID and not having fans and stands for specifically for basketball and football. So I think a lot of universities are really hesitant to promote and allow NIL laws um, or at least show support for NIL laws because they're worried about all of the um, different um, basically tasks and responsibilities that they're going to, their departments are going to have to do um, in order to ensure that their athletes eligibilities aren't being negatively impacted or you know, from a, from a, uh, an expense perspective, they're worried about, you know, having to pay for third party administrators and compliance monitoring systems and solutions to have to monitor that. But the, the overwhelming thing that, you know, our kind of opinion on it uh, from a mogul perspective is that we don't think that NIL laws and NIL rule changes actually hurt an individual uh, university athletic department's brand or bottom line at all. We think that if you allow the individual athlete to build their brand and increase their platform reach, um, both in the local community and at a national level, then you're only helping to actually increase the amount of dollars that can potentially flow into your university athletic department because your individual players are bringing more prestige, prominence, and you know shedding a larger light to your program. Um, so that's kind of our thought on the matter. Um, I do think that universities just want to keep this in a box as, as long as they can just to avoid the extra expense and you know difficulty originally though. I think one of the, at least one of the major critiques I've heard in regard to the NIL is there's actually only a very specific and small handful of athletes that are actually elevating 
in bringing revenue to a university that would make sense for them to be able to, to you know, profit off their NIL. And a majority of, of student athletes are actually elevated. Their brand is elevated by the university's brand. What mm-hmm. What is kind of Mogul's response to, to this criticism? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely true, right? There's only a handful of athletes each year that really have the true national scope and brand that they're really helping their athletes, right? You think Zion or their universities, you think like Zion Williamson, Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, guys like this come to mind. But that's one of the big things that I think a lot of people are missing about NIL is that, you know, name, image, and likeness isn't only about the national brands and like the Coca-Cola and the Nike brand deals. It's basically just about leveling the playing field and allowing athletes to make money in the same way that, you know, a university student who's an amazing musician can go and like play a gig or sell CDs or, you know, put his music out on the web and profit off of it. It's really just allowing these athletes the opportunity to use their platform and use their brand where in a time where 98% of them um, have their brands at their absolute peak um, to profit off that, right? And, you know, these are small engagements that we're thinking about from, from a mogul perspective. It's, you know, autograph signings, private athletic training, micro-influencer social media campaigns in the local community. Um, so we think that, you know, with regards to the criticism that you just highlighted, a lot of people are just thinking about this from, you know, the true national level, whereas there's an extensive amount of value that all athletes provide to their local communities. Um, yeah. I mean, I come from the camp of like, let's operate with win-win scenarios. And I don't know how this isn't a win-win. Like the universities are going to continue to profit off athletes coming and playing for them. And athletes are now going to be able to not only get a great education, but they're going to be able to utilize their own brand, you know, for their own entrepreneurship, you know, ventures or whatever they want to do. It's a win-win scenario in something that I think has been long in the making because you, you talk about, you know, maybe I, maybe Drew Tranquil wasn't a Joe Burrow or a Trevor Lawrence in terms of getting fans in the stands for his university, but I've got people in my hometown of Fort Wayne, Indiana, and all these athletes have people in their hometowns who look up to them and would love to do a camp or would love to, to learn about what they do on the nutritional side of things or on the exercise side of things, or, you know, there's brands that would love to align with, with people that have really cool stories. And so it just makes sense in in my mind. I want to pivot a little bit to mogul and what you guys are doing to capitalize on this opportunity. It says on your website, mogul will help current and former student athletes to profit off their name, image, and likeness while improving the community around them. I'm interested, Aiden, since you had the vision for Mogul, was this something you just saw coming, name, image, and likeness being kind of this universal legislation that kind of went in at the federal level that allowed all these athletes to do this? Or did you form Mogul anticipating that it would it would come one day? Yeah, so it was definitely a little bit of a combination of the two, right? So obviously recognizing, especially with regards to collegiate basketball, right, just how much under the table stuff actually happens. I did see this as one an initial domino to fall, basically the NCAA initially voicing support for name, image, and likeness rule changes. As soon as they did that, that was a complete flip to the script historically. Um, so as soon as the NCAA voiced initial support for that, that's when I drew up the business plan recognizing that you know this was a massive shift um, in the overall rhetoric about NIL and collegiate athletes being able to monetize their publicity rights. 
so recognizing that, um, I quickly drew together the business plan and started calling athletes such as Brandon for their feedback. Um, also spoke to your former teammate, Joe Schmidt, quite a few times as well. Brandon, what, uh, when Aiden approached you, what excited you, I guess, about this opportunity? Was it the involvement to like stay in sports or was it like, dang, this is an emerging marketplace where I see tremendous opportunity? I think it was a combination of both as well. I think it was the, the opportunity to stay in sports, the opportunity to uh, see a startup go from zero to, to launch to a hundred million dollar business. Um, and then obviously to help the, the collegiate athlete right on something that was you know their own right that was taken away from them from it by an institution right so obviously the uh evolving opportunity in the landscape i thought there was phenomenal i thought there was a phenomenal opportunity for me to give back um to people who have been in my or are going to be in my position um because of the amount of exploitation that was you know occurred while we were while we were in school mm. what uh I guess differentiates you guys. Maybe Aiden, you could talk a little bit about this. What differentiates you guys? Differentiates you guys from like a professional agency that represents professional athletes. Yeah. So I mean, the, I think I'll just take a step back and just provide the listeners with a little bit of context about what we're doing here at Mogul, right? So what we've done at Mogul is we've created a platform that will connect current and former collegiate athletes to opportunities to monetize their name, image, and likeness. So effectively, by joining the platform, a Brandon Wimbush or a Drew Tranquil would have the opportunity to create their Mogul profile or have it created for them and then seek out the opportunities for themselves that are available to them in South Bend and surrounding Michiana areas at Notre Dame and then obviously in your hometowns as well. So effectively at its core, right, we are not representing athletes. We're providing them a tool and a service to, to act as their own agent and seek out these opportunities for them. Because when you think about the broader collegiate athletic landscape and Mogul's key differentiation in all of this is that we're really focusing on providing opportunities for all athletes and only probably 2% or so of these athletes max, um, probably much less, honestly, um, are actually going to have traditional agency representation because it's really not worth an agent coming in and seeking out these, for the most part, tiny marketing deals um, in these random college towns throughout the country on behalf of their clients. Agents really make the money on contracts, right? Um, they would make it like a measly percentage on the marketing engagements. So we're basically just empowering athletes in the name, image, and likeness landscape. Um, which is obviously something that drew Brandon to it as well, given the fact that he's an athlete um, and we're really putting the power in their hands, right? It's, it's an area where they've been criminally disserviced historically. Um, so we're, you know, giving them the power to really act upon what's humanly and naturally theirs, which is their publicity rights. So is it kind of, um, I remember when I was getting recruited in high school, there was this, uh, a recruiting service like huddle, that allowed me to upload my highlights and then colleges could come and, and watch that highlight or it got distributed to uh, scouts and recruiters is mogul kind of operating in a, in a similar structure where an athlete has their platform and then businesses can go and view that platform and they can connect that way. It's more so of a reverse role there, Drew, but um, so, so, to your point, right? We're going to have 
it's going to be uh, the process is going to be the uh, as Aiden alluded to already, the athlete creates their profile. And then we're going to also have the businesses, the local, the primary local businesses and brands create their business profile. Then they'll be able to post these, you know, one time or uh, longer time engagement opportunities to the mogul platform. And then, you know, we'll have our profile as the athletes and we'll simply be able to uh, one hit apply to that to that opportunity, whether it be that uh, autograph signing, whether it be the social media campaigns, whether it be the, the appearance. Right. So all of these opportunities and we're hoping, you know, it's a supply and demand game for us. So we're hoping we'll have enough of that, uh, that demand side um, for the athlete to take advantage of on the platform, if that makes sense. So, um, yeah, it's definitely more uh, honest on the athlete of taking advantage. Right. And, and how, how much they want to, uh, you know, how much they want to earn. I think it's a fascinating concept because. I think Aiden, you did a you did a pretty good job of of addressing this idea of agents and like I I don't think those are really going to be a big like player in competition for you guys when you talk about the general landscape because sure these Trevor Lawrence's the Zion Williamson's the Joe Burrows they might sign early with an agent because they could sign you know massive endorsement deals potentially and to secure them for potentially what they might be in two or three years when they go to the draft is huge for these agents. But when you talk about like these micro marketing deals, yeah, to the agent, it doesn't mean much, but you know, as a student athlete who isn't making anything to, to make 250 bucks, 500 bucks, a thousand bucks on an engagement that pays my rent for the month or that, you know, gets me extra Chipotle for the next, you know, semester or that buys my groceries. And so I think it's all relative and, uh, and, and it certainly will, will benefit these athletes. I'm interested, like as an athlete, what, what does the, the sign-up process look like? And then what are my obligations to Mogul in terms of compensation and requirements, et cetera? Yeah, well, uh, the process of, of signing up, um, you know, my perspective here, Drew, I just wanted this to be as easy and as seamless as possible for the athlete. Uh, and like Aiden said, we're trying to empower the athletes. So to the second part of your question, it's fully free to the athlete and always will be free for the athlete. Um, but the sign-up process is pretty is pretty easy, man. You, you know, you, you you plug in all of your, uh, obviously, your personal information, uh, inclusive of your accolades, your achievements over your career, over your high school career. Um, and then you, you select the type of engagements that you're interested in, right? Like you you compared to a lot of other guys that we, you know, we played with would have been interested in, um, in, you know, uh, speaking, uh, speaking, right. Speaking engagements, right. Um, as well as maybe autograph signings, you would have been more out there in the community and engaged rather than the social media and behind the scenes, uh, and creating merchandise and that type of stuff. Right. So there's, there's different profiles that are athletes that we have to deal with. So we have to be able to find those, those athletes opportunities. Um, but then, you know, so those types of opportunities are going to be presented on your platform uh, and will become, you know, obviously to the forefront and you'll be able to apply to those, those types of opportunities on the platform. I'm interested, Aiden, where, where are you guys at in the process with Mogul? Are you guys onboarding athletes or do you already have athletes signed up? Is it something that, kind of as the legislation moves, you anticipate, you know, more people becoming interested. 
Yeah. So um, just from a company overview standpoint, right? So that platform that we've mentioned, it's already complete. Um, we're really, really excited about it and think that it's going to be an extremely powerful tool for athletes to leverage um, on a day-to-day -day basis, right? Walking in between practice to class, walking from class to their dorms or their apartments, they'll be able to just scroll through the mogul platform and seek out opportunities to make, as you mentioned, right? 50 to 300 bucks, right? So um, from a company standpoint, um, we're actively acquiring athletes. Um, so we're really, really happy with the progress that we've made there. Um, we basically have um, some of the highest profile athletes in collegiate sports um, and the pros as well already using the mogul platform. Um, at this point, the platform itself is in beta phase. So we're not actually rolling it out publicly, given the fact that we're still waiting on clarity around NIL laws and don't want you know, any eligibilities to ever be impacted. We don't want um, to also you know, give away anything that we're necessarily building that kind of differentiates mogul in this space. But we're actively acquiring customers. We're speaking, um, you know, every hour, every day um, with potential athletes that will join the the, uh, the platform and with businesses who will leverage our services as well. Um, and then we're, we're currently a, a team of 16 of us, right? We've got student interns primarily on the sales and marketing side of things um, at every strategic growth location for us and some of the largest universities um, from a Power 5 perspective in the country. Um, so we're growing. I mean, we're getting a lot of um, press and media attention. That's been great as well. Obviously, you know, having a partner with Brandon, Brandon's name and Brandon's platform doesn't hurt in that regard. Um, but yeah, we're really, really excited about everything that's been going on. And um, just for all your listeners out there, whether you're an athlete, a local business, a fan, a citizen, um, we'd be more than happy to connect with each of you as well. Um, you can get in touch via our website. So I think Brandon mentioned it, it's free to sign up, which is fantastic and great. And uh, certainly a resource. I think a lot of, you know, athletes will check out in, in terms of like, if I sign an engagement, is it just something where I pay mogul like 10% of what that engagement is? Or are you guys like more interested in, uh, in terms of revenue generation on the company seeking you guys out and paying a subscription to use your service? Yeah, so our, our pricing model is still um, in flux. We're still trying to, we're doing a lot of user testing with future customers who have signed letters of intent to use our services. Um, so that is still in flux. That being said, though, our intention is to not take a commission at all from the athletes. Um, we're really, you know, we recognize that athletes haven't had the opportunity historically to engage in these opportunities. So we really want to ensure that we're never taking anything from them now that they finally have this opportunity. We think that the incredible value that they provide to our customers on the business side of things is more than enough um, that would validate businesses paying for our services. Hey, that's huge. If you guys can figure that out, that uh, that is awesome because you're you're socially impacting the game too when you look at historically what has happened in terms of athletes not being able to to profit off their name, image, and likeness. So this has been super insightful, I think, you know, to all our athletes listening and even our, our business professionals who might think this is a great idea. Uh, I, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's great. I think you guys, I wish you guys the best and uh, certainly think, I mean, if I was a college athlete, I'd be using the service. And so uh, best of luck, Aiden, Brandon, and uh, I, I certainly appreciate you guys coming on. Yeah, Drew, thanks so much again for having us. Um, obviously, you know, it's really great to speak with fellow Notre Dame grad as well. Um, 
And, uh, you know, at the end of this, I'll just give a shameless plug for everything so that they know where to find us. Yeah. And I'll certainly, uh, I'll certainly put, uh, all your information down in the show notes, but I think we can find you you guys have a mogul app and then you can find it on the web too at mogul M O G L.com. Dot online actually. Dot online. Correct. Okay. So go, go through that. So they have a clear understanding. Yeah. Uh, for businesses, athletes, fans, um, potential investors, anyone who wants to get in touch with us, um, you can find us on our website at www.mogl.online. That's mogul.online. We're also on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, um, and would encourage you to follow us on all of those accounts as well for timely updates and subscribe to the Mogul newsletter. Love it. Appreciate you guys. Well, that wraps up today's episode. We hope you found it valuable and worth your time. Hey, if you got questions or comments, please be sure to drop those below. I love reading those and very much value your feedback. And if you want to stay up to date with our latest content, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Lastly, if our content has blessed you in some way and you feel compelled, please consider leaving us a rating on Apple Podcasts. This will certainly help us grow and continue delivering valuable content to our listeners.